We're doing a series on faith, and if you missed last week's, do please watch it on video, or you can do it as a sound file on podcast or SoundCloud. And uh, some of us have discovered, you know, audio files and those those mechanisms during lockdown. You can have something on your ear or playing in the car, and you can be doing something else and just listening. So. Catch up, please, on last week, because this is a series, and I'm going to try not to repeat what I said everything the week before as we go along. Some repetition will be necessary, but it is, does build week by week. Last week, I gave you a definition of Christian faith. It's not a short one, but it's this. Faith in God, through Jesus' his Son, by the Holy Spirit, all three members of the Trinity are involved in this, according to truth, according to God's word. Remember, Jesus said, God seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. We can only engage with God through the help of the Holy Spirit, and we need to handle his truth. We're not inventing new ideas about God. We're coming to the scriptures to learn about him from his truth. And then this basic definition of what a Christian life is, the just shall live by faith. It's how we start and it's how we continue. We live by faith, a living faith, in the living God. And faith is not a power we operate. Faith is not focused upon an outcome, but upon God. You don't focus your faith on something to happen and and exert some sort of influence on it. Really, that's the language of magic. Faith looks to God. It's focused upon God. And I want to add some words to faith this morning. That faith is belief, conviction, it's being persuaded, it's trust, and it's hope. Now, there's a mixture of those things. Out of all the names given to Christians, one of the ones that we we forget sometimes is that word believer. Now, you can be believer of a number of religions, not just Christianity. Uh, They accept the teaching of their religion as true, and therefore their life should conform to the truth, in theory. That's a believer. The first person in Scripture to be called a believer is Abraham in Genesis 15. Abraham had already encountered the Lord. The Lord had appeared to him and spoken to him on a couple of occasions already. And he was walking as best he knew before the Lord, before we get to Genesis 15. And at the end of Genesis 15, he's just rescued Lot and his family and delivered them safely back to Sodom, which was not a good idea in itself, but never mind. And he refused any of the spoil of that military victory from the king of Sodom. And let me read this. After those things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. And then the Lord makes promises to Abraham that he'll have a son, a naturally born son, and that he will make of Abraham a great nation, and in his offspring, and its seed, and that's a singular word, seed, not seeds, all the families, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And it says in verse 6, Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. The Lord made amazing promises to Abraham, And Abraham believed those promises because he believed God. And God then entered into a traditional ritual of covenant. Debbie was talking about covenant earlier, different kind of covenant in a way. But a traditional ritual of covenant. Animals were killed and laid out in bloody corpses, cut in half, half the animal there, half the animal there, an avenue of blood and, and dead flesh. And the point was that two people were supposed to meet walking towards each other through the avenue of blood 
And then they would join hands or embrace, and they spoke words one another, and that was a blood covenant. May I be like one of these animals if I do not keep my word to you. That was that blood covenant. Interesting thing is, Abraham laid out the animals, and he waited all day until the sun was setting. And then the presence of God came through the animals to Abraham. And he saw like a smoking a, a picture or, or flame walking towards him. And God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham didn't get to say a word. God made a, a, a completely one-sided covenant with Abraham. So in Genesis 15, there are many words from God to Abraham. But here's the core statement. Whatever it was that God was saying to him, Abraham believed in the Lord. And, he can, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. To accept what God says is true is to believe. And the reason you accept it is because God does not lie. We trust God as true and therefore his words as true. And Paul picks up on this thing of Abraham believing God in Romans 4. And it says that Abraham is the father of all who believe. He's, he's the head of a new family of believers. We Christians are called in Scripture children of Abraham. You thought that was a particular tribal group or ethnic, ethnic culture. But it says, Scripture says everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of Abraham. The, he's the leader of this whole new believing group of people. It also says there that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Do you want to get that word convinced there? He was convinced that if God had said something, God could do it. There was no doubt about God's ability. Therefore, no, God's, no doubt about God's truthfulness, nor no doubt about God's ability. So we believe in God. We believe in God in three persons, the one in three. But we also speak of God as the three in one. We talk about God and we mean God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit who are all co-equally eternal, almighty, all present, compassionate, loving, good, kind, sovereign, just. All of those things are true of the one in three and the three in one. God is so great that to not believe and trust and depend on him is the utmost foolishness. So scripture says. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. But we have an answer to that. The wise say, there's no one like our God. There's no one like him. The wise don't just believe that he exists, but they seek to know him and trust him and obey him. So rather than be with foolish people of this world who say it publicly nowadays, it's no shame to be an atheist, there is no God. We say, no, 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 there's no one like our God. And we believe in God through Jesus. God has set forth his son Jesus as the image of himself. Jesus is the God-made man. He has flesh, bone, and a face, and a body. And you can see him, except that he's in heaven right now. 
Jesus claims that he himself is the only way to God. And he claims that we're to believe in him the way we believe in God. He's the object of our faith. It's not enough to believe in a God. We must believe specifically, particularly, in God the Son, Jesus Christ. Not just an historical Jesus, not just the Jesus who died on the cross, but the same Jesus who rose from the dead and is the living Lord over all things, with all authority in heaven and on earth. And when we talk about believing in Jesus, it means we're believing the good news. We can only be counted as a Christian believer if we believe the good news of Jesus. And it's a story that he was born of Mary the Virgin, lived among us, appeared as Messiah to Israel, taught, helped, worked miracles, healed, was rejected, handed over to the Gentile authorities and was crucified. He died, was entombed for three days, but then he rose again, has ascended to the Father, and he reigns over all things. To be saved, to be forgiven and accepted by God, rescued from death to life, this is the message that you have to believe. It says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can switch those two around. It's not like you've got to do one and then you've got to do the other. You do them at the same time. You're believing it's true and you're saying it's true that Jesus is risen from the dead and he is Lord and that means he's your Lord. He's not just Lord of all, but I'm working on it. No, he's my Lord too. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. You're accepted by God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And it's not you can be halfway stage. You need to do both. We believe the gospel, this narrative about God's Son, Jesus Christ. We believe every bit of it. We don't opt out of the virgin birth. We don't opt out of the miracles of Jesus. We don't deny his healings and miraculous workings because it's all true in him. We believe also God's word. God is trustworthy. His word is truth. Jesus said it. Therefore, we need to handle his word respectfully, carefully, understand it diligently, apply it thoroughly. We cannot be careless with Scripture. And I mean by that we can't be careless about how often we pick it up and handle it and read it and study it. Those who add to or take away from his word will face judgment for doing so one day. But the Bible is not a book of spells or words of power. God's word is powerful because it's his word and it's his authority. People think, oh, I like these words, they work. No, they don't work. They work because God is at work. His power sits behind his words. His truthfulness sits behind his word. Abraham believed God's promises because he already believed God. He'd learned to trust him. He was learning faith. Abraham believed God. He believed God's character. Therefore, he believed God's word. Faith is Godward. Faith believes God. It's convinced and persuaded by God's word about himself. It trusts and depends upon God in all things and accepts his instructions and directions for all of life. God is good. Always, all-knowing. It's impossible that I could know more or know better than God. That I could be smarter or wiser than God. Or that I could make better choices than God has in store for me. 
We need to be humbling ourselves to learn and listen to the Lord. We believe in present grace. That's grace that's at work now. It's a favorite greeting of Paul, slightly different words in different letters, but he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I usually sign things off grace to you. That's a short version of that. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, and you could have said as well, through the Holy Spirit. That's fine. Grace and mercy and peace. When? Oh, maybe sometime we might get... No, now! Now! Grace is available to us now. It's not a wish for the distant future. This is what is ours in now through Jesus. Hebrews 4.16, one of my favorite verses says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain, we may receive grace and mercy to help us in time of need. How many of you have been going through a time of need in the last few months or so? A bit of difficulty? We come to God to receive grace and mercy for now all this present situation. To get through this now, we need to be convinced and persuaded and depend upon the grace of God. It is never limited. It's, at the, it's, it's just at the end of the reach of faith. To call upon him, to ask of him and to receive from him. Grace, mercy, what you need to stabilize you and strengthen you and get you through right now is available to you because Jesus sits in heaven reigning over you even praying for you. I'm, getting, I'm adding too much to my notes and we'll be here all day. So let me just take the next point. Believing in future grace. Now, if you believe in future grace, the Bible gives a new word to that because belief that projects into the future, faith that projects into the future is called hope. Hope is not, oh, I hope it will be like that. That's wishing. All right? Hope biblically is I believe though I can't see it, and I may not see it yet for a long time, but I see it that God will do this. I believe that God will do this in his time. That is hope. It's the confession of faith that projects to the future. <laughs> so let me give you some scripture here. I was saying to Carol this morning, I wish someone set Romans 8 to a song and turn it into a good scripture and song. I'll have to have it go. Romans 8 verse 37, you'll be familiar with this verse, many of you. Yet in all these things, all the trouble and tribulation he's just mentioned, including being killed, you know, suffering death by the sword. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am, say the word with me, persuaded. I'm convinced of this from God's character and his word. That neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, or anything in all creation, is another way of translating that, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 You can say amen again. Go on. Amen. Good. <laughs> Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The grace that brought us safe this far will lead us home. Here's the word persuaded again. Paul writing to Timothy. I know whom I have believed. That's a statement of faith, isn't it? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, convinced, that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. If you've given your life over to the hands of the Lord Jesus, he is able 
to keep you. Jude says he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before himself. Belief and trust that projects into the future is called hope. And hope is the anticipation of future grace. Not that you will make it, but that he will get you there. Future grace, justification, we mean by that that the people who've done you bad will get their bad done to them in the future. We will, have, we will see the vengeance of God. And even future reward. Now, let me round this up. We need to pray and be breaking bread. Do you believe? Yes. Okay. What do you believe? And where do you get your food from for that belief? Where do you get your data, to put it another way, from for what you believe? See, the world is full of philosophies and opinions and causes and agendas and social media, but God's word is true. And if you do not lean into, and that's not a word expression I use very often, but and, you know, can you look into and then you lean on God's inspired word, where are you getting your input from? YouTube, social media, TV. I was remembering Psalm 19, which is a scripture that was set to music back in the 70s, and that's why Karen and I both remember that Psalm 19, 70, 11 so well. Let me read it to you rather than summarize for you. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they. What's, what's they? His words. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. God's word is pure. It gives light. It gives wisdom to the simple. It provides for us. It supplies our daily bread, our nourishment, our input. God's word preserves and keeps us and builds stability to endure the storms of life. And God's word is therefore precious to us. Now I'm going to come back again another time to the promises of God, including the words of prophecy or gifts of prophecy outside of Scripture. We believe in prophecy. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. But we need to handle that carefully and wisely. It isn't Scripture. It's not quite the same. But we'll come back to that another time. So what do we believe? The words of God. That's what we believe. Sorry, I missed one. So who do you believe and who will you trust? No, not politicians. They don't deserve our trust. They need to earn it. and our, They need to be kept accountable and maybe sent home packing to do something else after a few years and someone else can have a go. But we trust someone who does not change, whose word is always true, who is unchangeable. You know, you get up and you have a good days and bad days. Is that right? Yes. Oh, we're honest here today. There's honest, there's good. Oh, yes. God doesn't have a bad day. He's unchangeable. <laughs> so his thoughts about you don't change and the way he reacts to you and the, and, and the things that he plans for you do not change because God does not change. He's immovable, unshakable. Our faith, our confidence, our trust and dependence belong to him, not to any human being, not even the ones closest to us. We all have faults. We all get it wrong. But God 
does not. Let me say this to you as well. I feel this may be a prophetic word for one or two people. If God is not our source, our center, and our supplier, then we will be spending some of our time disappointed, disconnected, and even dejected. Our downs will hang around. We need to find our supply, our center, our source in God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I should have put this on the screen for you, but I didn't. Life is tough, but the Lord is good. That's honest, isn't it? We're not pretending things are better than they are. We're not pretending that problems are going to go away like the next moment because we say so. Life is tough, but God is good. He can be depended upon. There is no one like our God. And in normal times, I would say, I'd start to sing something to you and you join in with me now, but I can't do that, can we? Never mind. Let's bow our heads and pray together, please. There is truly no one like you, Lord. And my words don't even begin to tap around the edge of the great ocean of your character, your being, the characteristics we talk about, which are your attributes. I'm just describing something which is immense, infinite. And therefore, Lord, you are more than worth our praise, more than worth all of our trust, You are worth depending upon in your wisdom because we do not, we have only small brains and you are the infinite God. Jesus, you've made all things available to us through your cross and we worship you for your sacrifice for us. I pray today that anyone who has not yet surrendered their life into the hands of Jesus Christ, hearing these words, be stirred to do so. This God who gave his son for us This good news of the gospel is to be trusted with all our hearts, with all our being. And others others of us, Lord, we say to you, we want to grow in faith and depend upon your grace because there is no limit to you. We can never say, I know God. We are still finding out how great you are. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.